I think I kind of like it. I think that's a good idea. I, I like, but it's going to be lost by me because I just pretty much go with ketchup almost every time. Is that your like condiment of choice? Yeah. And because really? I can't get any hatch chili out here really. So I would almost choose that as a condiment okay. when I was okay. in New Mexico. I'm going to put you on something. Yes. Whataburger makes hatch green chili ranch. Ranch. And you can buy it in like one of like a squeezy tube at Walmart. They make hatch green chili ranch. Delicious. I might have to try that out. Thanks, Walmart. I might have to try it out. All right, Gretchen, thank you for that. I, I, you know, I'll also finish it off by saying Chick-fil-A sauce is a top-tier condiment. And it that is up there. Everything. All right, Christian, thank you for joining us for that. We'll talk to you a little bit more coming up in our second hour. Right now, we're going to welcome in our editor-at-large. We've got John Kingston joining us to talk about what's going on with Warner and a $100 million judgment that they were hoping to get some favor in an appeal, and that didn't quite happen. John, what's going on? Yeah, you know, it's almost five years to the day that I wrote the original story that they lost the case for $92 million. Um, so it was back in May of 2018. Uh, I know, I'm sorry, I got that bright light. I couldn't have, find time to get down to my usual place. Sorry about that. Um, 2018, they lost a $92 million judgment. That was going to go to a three-judge appeals court uh, for reasons I don't that we wrote about. I don't remember them now. That got kicked up to an end bank hearing in like the 14th Circuit of the state. There's a state... Uh, court, not not federal court. And the, the court re- ruled in favor of the lower court decision. So it's $92 million plus interest. I saw one estimate that it's now $116 million. Uh, but, you know, Werner's pretty much lost here. They There were a couple of dissenting voices among the judges, um, but overall the uh, the judgment holds. So the um, the question I think that, that comes down for in terms of any kind of a future impact would be whether Werner was negligent in letting this driver out on the road in these conditions. The conditions were terrible. It was freezing rain. Somebody described it as an ice rink. What happened was a, 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 it was on an interstate. It was on I-20 near Odessa, Texas. Uh, a car with a family in it coming the other way, uh, lost control, crossed the median strip, and crashed into the truck driven by a Werner driver. Uh, the, you, 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 when you hear that at first, you might say, well, look, it was their fault. The Werner driver didn't do anything. But there was some testimony that said that the Werner driver was going way too fast for the conditions and that had he been going at, let's say, 15 to 20 miles an hour, which a lot of other trucks were doing at the time, it would have been a crash. It would have been bad, but it wouldn't have been as bad as it was. As it was, one child was killed. Another was left a quadriplegic. uh, Other people were injured. It's just a terrible accident. So they have lost. Um, they, uh, They did say yesterday they're going to appeal it to the full Texas Supreme Court. Um, in their 10K, uh, their annual 10K filing from, I'm not sure when it was, probably sometime in April, they, they, they said they were really only on the hook for $10 million, that insurance would cover it. There was something in that 10K filing that was a little confusing that indicated they had already also uh, written off some liability to it. I, I've got a, a, an email into them to figure out the difference. The point being that Warner is not staring at expending, uh, you know, laying out 100 $120 million if this thing goes to the Texas Supreme Court and they lose completely. Their their liability is less than that. But the insurance company is going to pay, and that's what helps add to insurance premiums because it's a nuclear verdict. And, uh, John, one of the other things that came out of this horrific story was uh, not just the conditions, but how freshly graduated from school this driver was. He just recently completed um, uh, his driver's license to be a driver at Warner. Um is that coming into play here at all? Oh, absolutely came into play. The uh, the appellate court decision really lambasted Werner 
for letting this guy on the road in these kind of conditions. And it was a just-in-time delivery uh, in which, uh, you know, you were going to get fined if you didn't make it in time. And uh, so, yeah, all, all that combined to really clearly that was a, a, that was a factor in the judge's decision. They felt that Werner was negligent uh, in this. L- let me tell you that the, that the lower court uh, the lower court decision did kind of a, a lot blame in uh, various counts of the, the lawsuit. And the driver, the other driver, who doesn't seem to have been hurt here, he didn't his, his injuries didn't come up in any of the, the documents. He was assessed some of the blame, uh, like 15 to 20 percent. So it's not that the, the, the guy who drove, you know, who saw the car go flying across the median was blameless, but the, the blame fell more on Warner and it fell more on the Warner driver, who, yes, was a, was a very new driver. So with this now, does this set a precedent for what this looks like, either both in talking about, I guess, decisions from a weather standpoint, a condition standpoint, but also, as you mentioned, from the driver training standpoint? Is there any type of precedent that's maybe set here that makes maybe companies look a little bit closer at what they're putting their green drivers into? You would think so. You know, we, we, we don't know. Um, but look, uh, safe companies will continue to be safe and reckless companies will probably continue to be reckless. Um, I mean, it is kind of surprising that one of the nation's largest truckload carriers did seem to be fairly casual. I won't call negligent, though they were found negligent, but fairly casual with this guy. I mean, he, his 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 length of experience was was minimal. Um, the conditions were terrible. There were there were provisions in the Warner training manual to you know slow down or get off the road during that, but um, they clearly weren't taken to heart. So I, I have to think that there'd be some lessons learned, and this would be kind of a case study that uh, that truck safety should look at. And John, one thing you outline in this article is uh, around balancing analysis. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, it was a, you know it's a legal test where they where they look at the areas that were where, where they were clearly negligent, kind of a cost benefit uh, judgment. You know where Werner was clearly uh, negligent, areas where maybe it wasn't quite as bad. And when they weighed those two, they still came out very heavily on the idea that Werner was negligent, and the lower court in handing down this big decision was correct. So, John, let's finish this off by talking about another story that you've got written right now, some news from the Trucking Alliance. What's going on there? Well, the Trucking Alliance is a group of nine uh, trucking companies. Um, It's the same nine trucking companies that founded the group in 2012. It will be eight when U.S. Express gets merged into Night Swift. But Night Swift is a member of the group, too. So you can almost argue that the the size of the group isn't changing. Um, And uh, they they, kind of be gotten decided to be a little public. They offered Freightways an interview, which was very good uh, for that. But at the same time, last week, they teamed with a group of trucking safety groups that, you know, would mostly be seen as adversarial to trucking uh, and um, and wrote a letter um, opposing a bill that would block speed limiters, truck speed limiters. And and the ATA says, well, they're, they're against this bill, too. So no difference there. But you know, to see a trucking group, some you know, with the name the Trucking Alliance, signed on with a group of uh, a group of activists who are would almost certainly be seen as anti-trucking by any reasonable nature, just looks different. And and as as Steve Williams, the the president of the Trucking Alliance, he's, his company is Maverick down in uh, Texas, said, you know, we we want to make alliances, no, no no pun intended. We want to be friends with, we want to work together with companies that would be seen as mostly anti-trucking. And you really don't see that as much for companies, for groups like the ATA or TCA. So clearly they've 
they've uh, forged their own path. They seem very happy with their nine members, and they're not looking to add more. Um, very unusual, you know, because most trade associations are always looking to get new members. Uh, not in this case. They've got their nine. They've been very vocal on hair testing. Uh, they're going to continue to push for hair testing. Of course, that issue is before the uh, office of OMB right now. So it was uh, it was good to hear their voice. They are a significant voice in Washington, and uh, it was good to hear from them. Definitely an intriguing partnership here. John, thanks for coming on and bringing these stories to more insights and details. Um, can you tell us a little bit about when we can find your next podcast? Next podcast will be where all the old podcasts are, under FreightWaves TV, under Drilling Deep. And this week, we're going to be talking about um, marketing, uh, the marketing process for recruiting new drivers. Awesome. And we can catch that Friday afternoons for Drilling Deep. Thanks, John, for being with us. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.